today we're going to look at the passage where Jesus chooses his apostles. And it's not just ordinary men, they turn into extraordinary men. You see what I did there? Okay. So here it is. Here's the passage. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12. Now, if we were in a, in a classroom, I'd say, don't look. Who can name the 12 apostles? I'll save you that embarrassment, all right? Simon, whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Lord, we just ask that you uh, would speak to our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that as we look at these men, uh, you would encourage us that uh, you take ordinary people and transform them into Christ-like followers. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we see that Jesus selects the 12 apostles, and their job descri description is this. They are to be with him for three years. Right? They are to witness his miracles. They are to listen to his teaching. They are to get involved in ministry and learn by watching and doing. They are, and here's the big thing, to witness that he resurrects from the dead. They see him uh, go to be crucified. They're not all there. Only John is there. Uh, at the foot of the cross, but then they all witness him being alive, resurrected from the dead. And then when he ascends into heaven, the plan to reach the world is these guys are to take the gospel, preach to Jews and Gentiles, write the New Testament, start the new church, worldwide church, and die as martyrs, okay? That's the game plan. So, what's interesting is when you look at these apostles that he chooses, in the, especially in the Gospels, a lot of the time they're clueless, they're selfish, they argue over who's the greatest, they doubt, they fail. In fact, Jesus goes up on a mountain, and when he comes down, the apostles have been trying to cast out a demon, but they can't do it. So the, the man of the son who has a demon talks to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Now look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered, oh, faithless, twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? 
bring your son here, and he casts out the demon. But who's he talking about? Faithless and twisted. His own followers, right? They, they tried to cast it out, but they couldn't. So that's just a sample of kind of the, the early stages of how the apostles weren't fully equipped. They weren't fully formed as apostles. Okay? Now, um, over time, and especially after the resurrection, and after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they go from ordinary to extraordinary. And, and I hope that this is an encouraging message today because I fail every day. I know some of you agonize over your, your lack of growth. Oh, why did I do that again? Well, it's encouraging to see some fellow stumbler bumblers here, but over time, they get transformed. When uh, Peter preaches, he preaches in Acts chapter 2, and then in Acts chapter 3, he heals a man, and then the apostles are arrested. And here's, here's the, uh, the Sanhedrin is looking at them, and it says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, they didn't talk good, right? They were uneducated, common, NIV says ordinary men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus, right? Jesus has rubbed off on them. And now they're bold for Jesus, okay? In uh, Acts 17, Paul, he's with uh, Silas and uh, Timothy, and they're in Ephesus, and they're causing trouble. <laughs> and it says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, all right? They recognize that these men, they're turning the world upside down with their gospel. Again, they go from ordinary to extraordinary. So here's what I want to do. Today, we're going to look at one, two, three, four, five, five of the apostles. I'm going to pair a couple of them together, so there's really only three points. Okay? Next week, we'll look at the rest of the apostles. But don't worry, I'm going to lump a whole bunch of them together because we don't know anything about them. Those will be the unknown guys, all right? So today, I want to first start by looking at Peter. There are four listings of the names of the 12 apostles in Scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John does not have a listing. He mentions apostles throughout his narrative, but he doesn't list them. But in the book of Acts, they're listed. Now, when you compare them, sometimes the names don't line up because, why? Because people have, uh, same guy can have several names. Like, Joey, what's your real name? Josiah. Josiah, right? Somebody once asked me about Josiah. I said, I don't know Josiah. <laughs> but have you met Joey? <laughs> right? So is it, it, that's what these lists are. Some of them have names that are double names. Some of them are nicknames, 
okay? Even Peter is a nickname, okay? Um, but in every list, Peter is always first, okay? That indicates that he was, and I would put it this way, he was a leader amongst equals. I wouldn't say he was officially over them, but he is a leader amongst equals, okay? Now, um, there's a difference between Catholics and Protestants in their view of Peter, okay? While we would say he's an unofficial leader, they would say that Jesus actually designated him to be the first pope, right? And there has been an unbroken secession of popes all the way back to Peter, 266 guys, the last guy today, Pope Francis. Now, let's, let's first take a look at where they get that, and I'll make some comments. So, Matthew 16, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Is. What's the word on the street about me, is what he's, what he's asking. What, who do they think I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Now, John had been uh, beheaded, so some of them are thinking, oh, it's John back from the dead. Okay. Others say Elijah, because the book of Malachi says that Elijah will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Maybe he's a prophet. Maybe he's Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, and that's a, a title. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the one that all the scriptures point to, and you're the son of God, okay? And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What's he saying? You not only got the right answer, but you just spoke divine revelation, Peter. Okay? You just rightly identified that I am the Messiah. Okay? Then here's the big verse where there's a lot of controversy around this verse, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You are rock. The name uh, Peter, Petros. You're rocky. He's rocky, right? And then he says, upon this rock, it's a different word, Petra, so you are Petros, and upon this Petra, I will build my church, and hell will not snuff it out, okay? Now, um, Rome says, the way to interpret this is, you are Peter, and on you, Peter, I will build my church. You're the rock upon which the church will be built. Okay? Now, many Protestants try to make a case by pointing out, wait, there's two different words here. 
There's Petros and Petra, therefore it can't be that Jesus is saying, you're the rock, okay? Um, nice try, but, you know, in certain languages, they have, the nouns are either masculine or feminine or neuter. Peter, because he's a male, his name is now rock, Rocky, Petros, that's a masculine noun, but the word for, like, bedrock, foundation, is a feminine noun, Petra. So if Jesus, is make, if, if Jesus did want to say to Peter that you're the rock, you are rocky and you are the rock I'll build my church upon, he would probably use this same language. Okay? So the, the difference in, in nouns is not a good argument for, uh, for Peter not being the foundation. Personally, I think a better argument is the change from this pronoun, you are Peter, so he's addressing Peter, and then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. The pronoun changes from you to this. Okay, what would the this be? Well, what just came out of Peter's mouth? That you are the Christ. That's what he's going to build the church upon. So there's a, a, a dispute back and forth between uh, Catholics and Protestants about what, you know, what, what does it mean that Peter, uh, what, what is it that he's Petros and upon this Petra I will build my church. Now, um, there are a number of Protestants one of them being D.A. Carson, who has written kind of a definitive commentary on Matthew, he goes, I think Jesus is calling Peter the rock, and he is foundational to the church, but not as Pope, okay? In other words, he is foundational in that he is going to take the gospel to the world. First he preaches on Pentecost and 3,000 get saved. And then the first time the gospel actually goes to Gentiles is in Acts 10 and 11. It's when Peter talks to Cornelius. So uh, there are even Protestants who say Peter is the rock and he is a foundational uh, element of the church spreading in that he preaches first on Pentecost and then to Cornelius. But, but, there's no way you can read into verse 18 an idea that there's to be a perpetual line of apostles, and they call it apostolic succession. There's, there's no hint that this is to continue. There's no hint that he's going to be infallible. There's no hint that there is to be one person who is universal over the entire church. That all has to be read back into 18. Okay? Now, so there you know the controversy, but that's not the main thing I want us to focus on, on Peter. What do I want us to see? Peter is given the name Rocky not because he already is rock solid. He, in fact, he's very unstable. Jesus gives him the name Rocky because that's who he's going to become. Okay? 
Um, let me remind you of three incidents where, where Peter is very unstable. One is right after he speaks divine revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that didn't come from man. That came from, you just spoke divine revelation. Next, Jesus says, in this very next context, he says, and we're going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. Peter does not like that. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, you know when you take Jesus aside and you feel you need to rebuke him, you're probably wrong, right? Just going to go out on a limb there. And he says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter's like, where, where, don't be negative. Visualize your best life now, Jesus. Right? But he turned and said to Peter, now here's something very subtle. I hope you catch it. Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You almost see Peter going from, yeah, I just spoke divine revelation, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am just sailing along. And then he's like, you know, I don't like what Jesus is saying. Don't talk that way. And then he, he gives some very worldly advice. Don't talk that way. And Jesus says, it's not God talking through you now. It's Satan talking through you now. Instability. Okay. Second event. Jesus decides to walk across the Sea of Galilee. It's in a storm. And as he gets to the boat, everybody's terrified. And Peter goes, that looks fun. Jesus, tell me to come to you. And Jesus goes, all right, come on. Jesus, or Peter hops over the boat and starts walking on the water. Until this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? So, and, and what's interesting is in both these events, he goes from incredible to failure within seconds. Now, you remember the, the, the most famous event is the Last Supper, Peter says, I would die for you. And Jesus says, as a matter of fact, tonight, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, no, I would never do that. He goes out. Actually, a little slave girl asks him, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? He goes, no, I've never met the man. And three times he does that, and the rooster crows. Surprisingly, this is pretty comforting stuff, isn't it? That, that even Peter can be so unstable. But then, on Pentecost, and now the, the Holy Spirit is empowering him with more power, he stands up, he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. He's arrested, and the second time, he's rebuked, and the apostles are rebuked, and told, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And here's what happens. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. These are the same guys who killed Jesus. And he's bold now. So we see God 
transform Peter from an ordinary, unstable man into a rock. And now, and this, this does not come from the Bible, it comes from church history and tradition. When it was time for Peter to die, he was going to be crucified in Rome. And he said, do not crucify me like my Lord was crucified. Crucify me upside down. And his first statement that he would be willing to die for Jesus was fulfilled. So be encouraged that God is in the business of transforming instability into rock solid. Okay? Let me put the next two together, James and John. They're brothers James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Okay. Um, We don't know a lot about James. Now, he's one of the three that Jesus always has close to him. All right. Peter. Now, Peter had a brother named Andrew. Andrew's not in the inner three. But James and John are brothers, and they are. But James is the first apostle martyred. Stephen is the first Christian martyr, but he wasn't an apostle. Um, James was an apostle, and in Acts 12, no, Acts 10, um, he is beheaded by Herod. Okay? Um, So we don't know a lot about him. We know an awful lot about John. Uh, We spent a year and a half going through John's gospel, right? He also wrote, second, uh, first John, or he wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. So we have a lot of information from the hand of John, okay? Um, but we do know their nickname, Sons of Thunder, or the Loud Guys, Okay? Uh, One commentator says, the hotheads, the angry bros. In fact, um, this is an interesting event. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, this is Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So he's up north near Galilee, and they have to go south, and they'll be passing through Samaria. Jews and Samaritans hated each other, okay? And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Send a couple guys ahead, get a nice hotel or a barn or someplace to sleep, you know, get some Chick-fil-A and, uh, you know, we'll spend the night in this town in Samaria. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Oh, if he's going to Jerusalem, he's a Jew. No, you can't stay here. All right. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Yep, we're in ministry. We're here to spread the love of God. And if you won't take it, enjoy the lake of fire. Because we'll be glad to nuke you. Right? I mean, they weren't just fire and brimstone preachers. They were, let's call fire and brimstone down on people who we don't like. 
And it says, but he turned and rebuked them. Okay, guys, we're not going to go around, uh, you know, doing Sodom and Gomorrah fire on all the towns. Okay. Now, by the time John writes his gospel, he writes his gospel, his letters, and the book of Revelation. There's one word that he uses all the time, 71 times. It's the word love. And John is now, after he writes, known as the apostle of love. Again, we see a transformation from angry John to loving John. Now, I'm sure it was a gradual thing, but I do think there was a major event in John's life that changed his heart. At the arrest, all the apostles scattered, but John stayed with Jesus, and he was there at the foot of the cross, and we know that because as Jesus is on the cross, it said when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said, son, behold your mother. Basically, John, you are now going to take care of my mother. Right? But John witnessed not just the resurrection of Jesus, but his death on the cross, the greatest act of love ever. I think John at the foot of the cross, that's where the real transformation started. So again, we see, we see Peter go from in, unstable to rocky. We see John go from angry dude to the apostle of love. Okay? Last, we're going to look at two more guys. Okay? Matthew and Simon the Zealot. You go, why, why are you pairing those two together? Well, because they were on extreme ends of the political spectrum, okay? Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for Rome. Rome had their, their heel on the neck of Israel, and he was, he was not just a, a guy with a spear. He was a guy with authority to tax or overtax you. So he was the at least employment-wise, a pro-Rome guy. Okay. Now, on the other hand, we've got Simon the Zealot, and zealot is a technical term for uh, I hate Rome with all my guts. In fact, the zealots carried little daggers with them, and if there was an opportunity, if they, they saw a Roman soldier alone, they would assassinate the Roman soldiers, okay? Um, now, Jesus sends out the apostles on different missions, two by two. I don't know that, that he did this, but it'd be fun to pair these two guys up, right? It would, be, it would kind of be like uh, if, if 
Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were paired up. <laughs> and Jesus sent them out together as partners. Okay. But we don't, we don't hear of, of any internal bickering. In fact, the fact that they could be together in the same group is a testimony to how Jesus can bring peace and unity to those who come from very extremely different backgrounds. Okay? Part of the witness of the church to the watching world is that we get along. Even those, those from very different philosophies of life, different ethnic backgrounds, different experiences, they should look at us and go, hey, when those people are together, they really love each other. And how do we do that? Well, A.W. Tozer wrote this. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. What's the secret to Christian unity? Let's start a unity campaign. No. Let's focus on Jesus, and he will transform us. Okay? So I hope you're encouraged. We see Peter go from unstable to rock solid. We see John go from angry man to loving apostle. We see enemies become friends in Christ. And here's what Paul writes in Philippians. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're encouraged that you use ordinary people. Some from real unstable lives. Others from very diverse backgrounds, some angry, some timid, and Lord, we all have those, uh, those personality um, temperaments that, that are, are always bothering us and drawing us back into sin, but Lord, we are encouraged that you take ordinary people and transform them to be more and more like you. So Lord, I pray that you would uh, do your work in each of us. Give us patience with ourselves and with one another as you do your transformative work in us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.